Welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. This is Kyle Bird. I'm Matt Parmley. And um, we're back um, for a, uh, I don't know, what should be a celebratory occasion. Um, And that is the return of Gamera, the rebirth of Gamera, if you will. Um, Of course, to uh, celebrate this momentous occasion, (laughs) um, we needed to enlist some help. So we have some friends of ours that uh, people at home who are regular listeners um, should be familiar with by now. As always, we have uh, our, uh, our, our friend Kevin Derendorf back with us, who is no stranger whatsoever. How you doing, Kevin? Hey there. It's, it's weird. Uh, until very recently, I've been one of the biggest apologists for... Uh, CGI kaiju reboots directed by Hiroyuki Seshita where people uh, sacrifice other people to giant golden kaiju. <laughs> oh, well, is that all going to change? We'll see. And we also have our friend Lux Edwards who has been uh, coming around a little, a little more often lately, which is, of course, our pleasure. Uh, but Lux, welcome back and thank you for joining us for the the grand return of Gamera. It's most certainly my pleasure. And uh, it is very weird. I've also been quite a huge fan of uh, these 3D anime revivals when they're done well. And I am also an enormous fan of Gamera and the Gamera franchise. I went into this extremely excited to see Gamera back, ready to support this no matter how bad it could possibly be. Uh, with extremely low expectations and okay, very happy to well, see Gamera. Um, we have quite we we have quite a, a a lot of anticipation going into this thing um, because uh, it's Gamera. Um, Gamera is fun. Gamera is wholesome. Gamera uh, is uh, yes, and uh, really neat. So, Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Full of meat. Um, so, uh, you know, I I don't know that I should preface this with any kind of um, trigger warning. <laughs> um, look, people listening at home, I love you all. Even the people that don't like me, I love you all. I get I see the I see the iTunes reviews, I see the comments. Um I see you, okay? Um and I just want to say if you're one of those people 
who has, uh, for any amount of reason, a strong attachment to this series, or whatever. Um, If you're not interested in hearing uh, the honest opinions of those of us who may feel differently, and look, that's fair. I would encourage you to open your mind to other to other varying opinions, but I guess this is my long way of saying I've gotten a lot of shit <laughs> on this show for my opinion on a numerous amount of things. I'm just saying, you know, the second we start, you know, I guess giving you a insincere opinion, that's when I we have failed as podcasters ourselves and the people at home. And as much as uh, it pains me when we're not uh, jiving with something, I'm, we're, I'm not going to sell you feelings that are not how we feel about this. Um, and it's just, I, I already know that this, this series in particular has a lot of defenders and a lot of fans and a lot of people. It's given some people what they want. That's great. But I'm just saying, I'm like, I do get tired of this, you know, oh, these guys are just haters, whatever kind of thing. Like, where are you guys when, when we're praising something like Howl from Beyond the Fog or Godzilla Singular Point or Kamen Rider Black Sun or Ultraman Blazer? Like, we're, we're not going to be, you know, pretending to like anything more than we do. There's a lot of content coming out. A lot of it is very exciting. Um, but don't, you know, I mean, we're not, we're not the type to sell you BS. So, I don't know. If you can't handle that, this might not be the episode for you. It won't, it won't be all saying. negative, though. Well, yes, Matt did like it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, so... Uh, <laughs> So Matt will have uh, a lot of explaining to do, um, but yes, for those of you who stick with us, Matt is on your side. I'm not taking Question sides. Mark? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> spitting, spitting the truth. I'm just telling you how I feel about it. Anyway, anyway, enough of that. Let's let's talk about uh, uh, Gamera. I almost said Afterbirth because I'm so used to calling it. That <laughs> our, <laughs> let's talk about Gamera Rebirth. So uh, roughly, I don't know. Um, very early this year, maybe, or maybe maybe late last year, November. Um, animated series, which seems to be uh, the hip thing for these kaiju IPs. Um, yeah, it was, and then it was November seventeenth, uh, so it was hot on the heels of the uh, the Godzilla announcement, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and we all thought, oh, that's. Uh, that's interesting. We haven't heard from Gamera in 16 years. Let's you know see how it goes. Uh, as Kevin mentioned, um, we have uh, Hiroyuki, uh, Hiroyuki uh, Seshida, who had co-directed the Polygon Godzilla trilogy. Um, and then uh, for him, I'm sure that was great because he's Kevin and the rest of us were like, I don't know. Uh, and then, um, uh, the first teasers and stuff came out and, uh, the animation studio, we all said, this animation looks a little strange. Uh, and then the studio, it turned out is, uh, is it 
pronounced Engi E-N- or E-N-G-I or N-G? Uh, I think it's Engi. Uh... Okay. Um, who are mostly famous for some very weird controversy where a character, a big-breasted anime character, was on a Red Cross posters and it like got everyone <laughs> all in a tizzy and it led to weird things in uh, Japanese politics where, I don't know, it's it's a crazy story, but it's neither here nor there. But uh, basically... Uh, it like unseated positions in Japanese Congress. <laughs> um, yeah, was that was that Uzaki that they were that they? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, very strange story. People look it up. Um, uh, anyway, and then uh, in uh, July we had uh, our first real interview with the director, um, who s- basically came out and said, "Look, I did those three uh, Godzilla." Uh, films for Polygon and Toho and um and and there were kind of the more that is kind of slowly coming out about that trilogy it seems like there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen cuz you had him um is it Shizuno yeah. the director Shizuno. yeah and then of and then of course uh Yurobuchi right yeah um who who uh was like the main writer and it seems the more i'm hearing everyone talk it it almost seems like those three guys had very different ideas of you um but uh in this interview about gamera um Sashida said uh you know with with godzilla i didn't really feel like i got to do what i wanted i wanted it to be like you know the kaiju stuff i grew up with where it's a lot of monster wrestling and they didn't want any monster wrestling in the polygon movies and like this is like uh you know this is what i really want to do and this is more i wanted to do this with godzilla and so um so that got people uh i guess a little bit more uh interested because it's like oh i so this guy does want to do like a classic monster monster mash kind of series, um, and it's like him saying, "Hey, that trilogy, eh, I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. This is what I, th- I want to do something more like this." Um, and uh, for better and worse, that's more or less what he he gave us is is very, um, uh, you know, it, it's it's just seems like uh a lot of monster wrestling and like you know each episode is like a different monster kind of um that's more or less the format Fine of this the, of the show gamma versus five kaiju <laughs> yeah <laughs> no um so yeah that had everyone kind of curious to see how this would pan out um now, uh, it has drawn a lot of positive reactions, um, and also, I don't know, things seem a little mixed, um, but, uh, there's, you know, I don't know. Like I said, the monster wrestling angle is what I, I feel like a lot of people have latched onto, um. For whatever reason, I don't know why. For whatever reason, there's I th- maybe just because it's animated. Um, there's a lot of discourse about, you know, whether did did uh, comparing it to both the Polygon trilogy and Godzilla Singular Point. And I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, those are, this and those two projects are all about as different as you know apples to 
watermelons to <laughs> to to oranges um but i don't know i guess it's just human nature to try to compare compare these things um but uh yeah i don't know we'll, we'll get into i guess the whys and all of that there's a lot to unpack with this show um so uh you know what as a guest of honor um lux i'm gonna task you with giving us a, a little plot summary. Just give us the setup, and throughout the conversation, just organically, we will talk about the rest. I would say save... The last episode deserves its own segment. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's lots of reasons for that. Yeah, so, yeah, so maybe give us a good setup of the first, you know, uh, four episodes or so. Yeah, do we want to have a spoiler tag or something for the people who haven't? Um... Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're definitely going to be. I would say we're we're definitely this is definitely going to be a spoiler conversation, and um, I would say expect mild spoilers for a little bit. But yeah, by the time we get into uh, the, uh, I guess I guess I'll just say the first of several twists in, in the show, and the last episode. This is going to be extremely spoiler heavy. So either hang with us if you don't care, or go. God forbid, watch <laughs> and come back. Um, so yeah, Lux, give us a sort of a, a you know the first. I would say the first four or so episodes. Give us a good setup leading us through there. Well, I think befitting of this particular series the best setup i can possibly do would be just to basically read the mini plot synopsis for each episode of the first four episodes from wikipedia <laughs> with no explanation in between any of them and let you figure it out on your own because that's kind of how it plays out on screen <laughs> so anyway that the the show starts off and it's it's about uh, these uh, children who uh, I believe they are in the last year of uh, middle school. Is that correct, Kevin? Yeah, they're uh, they're 12 years old, so they would be graduating middle school. So they're all they're all graduating middle school. It's their last summer together. Um, they're trying to uh, have this last epic final summer. There's this big focus on them purchasing this radio so that they can bring it back to their uh, their hideout, which is underneath this big tree, their secret hideout, and they can help stay in touch with each other when they all get separated uh, after the summer. Now, over the course of this first episode, at the very beginning, they are introduced to uh, this group of bullies headed by a kid named Brody, who is the son of a general at the military, the U.S. military base. And Brody steals the money for the radio. This sets up a whole series of shenanigans as the first monster shows up, Gauss. And um, there's a swarm of Gauss that come in. Uh, eventually, Gamera shows up, as you might expect. Dukes it out with the biggest of the Gauss, who is, you know, the main Gauss. Uh, dispatches Gauss quite easily, because the monster fights in this are usually quite short. And Gamera flies off, and we go straight into episode two, where Boko, Joe, Junichi, which are our, our triad of main characters, and now their strange new friend, um, who... Is kind of shoehorned in Brody. They're picked up by these other two characters named um, James and Emiko, who are from the Eustace Foundation, who is this weird 
their best analog would be like Monarch from the the MonsterVerse movies. They're this uh, clandestine uh, organization who's privately funded, and they have some weird stuff going on, researching the kaiju. There's something going on with them, and they want something to do with the kids. So they bring the kids in, and um, they're setting out to uh, use these kids, the kaiju. So the second episode, them from the 50s, um, they encounter Jiger in the sewers, Giant Jiger shows up. Gamera dispatches Giant Jiger. Moving on to episode three, they're on a uh, ship going out into the ocean. They're carrying a giant crystal on the ship. Just The crystal's made of something. It's called Aurelium, and it's from an ancient civilization that we come to find out and has something to do with the energy that powers the monsters. And the Eustace Foundation wants to use it for some nefarious deeds or some good deeds. We don't really know, but... Uh, Eventually, the ship gets attacked by uh, Zegra, who, again, comes and attacks the ship. The ship turns out to have a submarine, which goes off, and it becomes this submarine battle with Zegra and Gamera, and uh, all culminates again, and Gamera quite easily taking out Zegra. And finally, episode four, featuring Big Knifey Boy, Ninja Girin doing flips and all kinds of awesome stuff at this uh, floating island base <laughs> for the Eustace Foundation. And this is kind of where we start to really get to know the kids better and some of their backstories. And it's prep it's prepping us for the final two episodes where we're actually going to inject a real plot into it instead of this monster of the week setup. Uh, yeah, so um, episodes uh, five and six are where we get, you know, a, a, some a lot of, seems like every five minutes a twist, a reveal, and so on and so forth. Um, so that's where we'll leave off for now, because those are all kind of things that I think deserve their own, you know, hey, we got to talk about this, their own seg- segments. Um, so I guess uh, we will just start with our um, initial takeaways, and then... Um, progressively just kind of sh- share our thoughts about the rest of the show. Um, so, uh, I guess, um, our, uh, our, our friend Matt, let's, uh, let's start with you because you're probably going to be the nicest. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, let us initial thoughts, takeaways of the on this. What what were your the first things you were thought? You know, walking away from this. Yeah, uh, you so somehow watched this in like a day. A, a couple things, right? <laughs> the first thing, I mean, I I actually did really enjoy this, probably for some of the wrong reasons that like weren't even intended. Actually, uh, I watched it with my son, so he also enjoyed it. Um, but we were talking in our lively Facebook chat. And I think, uh, Tom, who's not on tonight, but he'd asked a a question about like, Hey, who is this show for? And I I think that's actually a pretty interesting question because like we think of Gamera as being this extremely kitty franchise, like even more so than Godzilla, like Godzilla is a kid's franchise Gamera even more so to, in a lot of ways. Um, this show decides to go 
it's rated like TV 14. And the first episode has like five F bombs, which became a little controversy on social media. But I think Tom's kind of right on the, on the money there. Like they make a decision to bring Gamera back and Gamera being aimed typically towards, you know, children. And then you sort of say, you know what, forget that. We're going to make this more like aimed at, I would assume, teenagers or whatever. The language is pretty foul for like what I would consider a, a kid show, at least by Western standards. Um, and in the Japanese version, the subtitles in any way seem, while different, seem to indicate that the language is also pretty pervasive there. So I thought that was an odd choice. All that said, I like this show because I actually enjoy the children's coming of age stories as misplaced as they are at times for sure. Uh, but there, there is something that, that me as a father watching my <laughs> nine-year-old, you're, you're drawn to seeing how kids in this show are handling um, conflict, both with each other, with adults. They're trying to solve the world's problems. This thing does do that, do the traditional Gamera thing where like the kids are solving the adult problems. We talked about that in our Gamera reviews way back when we're like, Hey, every time a problem comes up, it's always the kids providing the solutions. Um, I can't speak for like for you bird, but I will say that there are times when, when lands will like say things. I'm like, Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. You're actually right. And you kind of fixed a problem that I was trying to like resolve. I'm not saying he would solve the world's problems, but I'm saying like, there is some, like to me, that doesn't feel out of place. Um, it's a bit ham fisted at times in this, but like, I think that's like kind of true to life. There are many times when kids look at things very differently than adults would. And so I enjoyed that. Um, the bullying thing, like, I think all of us have probably had different experiences with, with bullying and unfortunately it happens at a pretty uh, high rate, I think for a lot of kids, but there is something to having a, like you have these kids that are kind of fighting and they have this bigger threat that kind of brings them together. I do think that mimics real life. I, I think that when you have people that have this sort of shared trauma, instead of continuing to turn on each other, they actually can form a very quick and, organic friendship so like that part didn't bother me so i enjoyed their journey throughout i admit the third episode i think you could cut that entire episode out and you wouldn't miss a beat i think that's the weakest episode but i also think this film deliver film that the show delivers on the monster fights and i have a theory about why people like this so much the previous two two animated shows like the polygon trilogy had virtually no fights and the monsters in that barely move from screen to screen. I know that's not the intent of that show, but like people wanted fighting in that barely got any, they were disappointed. Singular point does have action sequences that are beautiful and really well done, but there's very few of them. This is the opposite. Like the jank, the animation is janky. It'll skip frames, but I have to admit that like both me and Landon had a blast watching the monsters fight. And I think that's why people like stuff like Godzilla versus Kong because you can turn your brain off and just enjoy the monsters fun like fight punch while acknowledging that yeah the show's super flawed like we just had a lot of fun and for me watching it with Landon is part of my enjoyment like it's not just about the show itself we were watching we were watching the show we were talking about it we were he was asking me questions and like we were laughing at how dumb some of the stuff was together so that allowed me to enjoy it I actually enjoyed this. It's not. It, it, I'm gonna do it. it. I'm doing it. I enjoyed this more than both. Don't, don't point say it. Don't. I enjoyed it more than singular oh, point. Oh God! And the, 
the uh, Polygon trilogy. Now, let me prefer. Let me say this one last thing that I'll shut up. Singular points better, and I and I rate it higher. But I enjoy this one more, and I and the reason it's like that is because I admit that there are significant flaws in this show. There's a lot of stuff that, like, frankly, doesn't make sense. It's mishandled or fumbled. But man, did I have a fun time watching it. And like for me, the entertainment trumps all the dumb things the show does. So, there's my spiel. All right, Matt. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I find that you uh, your your input is most valuable uh, in the light of I mean, how. The three of the rest of us feel so. Uh, no, I, it's good to have at least somewhat of a, a counter here. That's that's good podcasting. Okay. Um. All right. Um. Uh, Kevin, we haven't ha- given you an opportunity to say much yet, so I, I want to hear from you next. Oh boy, I'm I'm uh, I'm still reeling from that. Uh, uh. So so basically, my first impressions were that it did not look very good uh, based on the animation quality. Yeah. And like you said, you're usually kind of, you've been an apologist for other, <laughs> you know, 3D anime things that aren't the most aesthetically pleasing. And j- just in general of like our core group of friends that uh, are, we usually podcast and hang out with, like you are, you are more of a, you, you definitely try to find the good in things a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's one of those deals where this seems to be something that Netflix is in particularly leaning into. They'll go to these studios like Polygon or, or Sola, who does uh, the Ultraman anime for them, and, and they they really want to have this this uh, 3D CG aesthetic. I don't know if that's because those studios make them better offers, or uh, that for whatever reason they can license certain properties with them. I mean, we've seen a whole lot of, you know, between Godzilla and Gamera and Ultraman and Cyborg 009 and uh, even stuff like uh, Blade Runner had a, had a recent CG uh, anime. Uh, so it's, it's just seems to be that that's a, a lot of the stuff that gets licensed for, for anime goes that route for one reason or another. So that, you know, I can, I can deal with, uh, but I was kind of hoping that, you know, the, if the story would hold me, uh, then it, uh, that that's okay. I mean, like of the, of these, of these CG animated things, I honestly think that Kong King of the Apes has the best animation, but it's the worst of the shows. Right. Um, (laughs) but that's the forgotten Kong animated series from what, like 2000. Something, or something like that, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I, I I watched the show and I do think that it is probably honestly targeted at at kids. Uh, I know it sounds weird to say when there's f bombs, but keep in mind, like in Japanese, that's not a thing. That's a that's a translation choice. Uh, and then when you get into the level of violence that, yeah, there's, there is a lot of violence, but if you remember, that's just gamma. Yeah, like yeah. You think about like in gamma versus virus, when the guys are getting decapitated or <laughs> gear on, when the aliens want to like eat the children's <laughs> brains, 
Uh, it's got that kind of like kid level paranoia, I think, uh, that, that you get uh, when you don't like, you know, you're supposed to trust adults, but you don't know if you should trust the adults. And like, that's a that's a thing that works in the Gamera franchise. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of good potential and ideas that come out in this. Uh, but I don't think that they are fully fleshed out or executed. And I think that a lot of stuff is kind of brought up and not delivered on. And that is very frustrating to me as a viewer. It's, it's almost worse in some ways to have something where there's a kernel of, Oh, this is a neat theme or, Oh, I'd like to see more of how these kids interact with their parents, but you only get like a sliver of it. And um, some people are telling me, Oh well, don't worry. They'll they'll cover that in season two, and I don't believe that. So I don't even uh, know if we're going to get <laughs> season two, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I I don't think even if that if that were the case that that's a valid way of of storytelling is kind of things yeah. off to the to the next. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, it's. Uh, I, I came away with it with a lot of questions and honestly, like if people can explain to me the plot, uh, I would actually be quite happy to, uh, to hear them out and, and maybe, uh, there's, there's stuff that just, I missed somehow. I get the distinct feeling that there's a lot of kind of background, um, development that was done for the show and then not really actually fleshed out in the show itself. I know that they have this, this prequel manga that's going on right now, I did read the first chapter of that as well. Um, but you know, when you have to have to do too much homework, it uh, really can put a damper on your uh, enjoyment of uh, whatever media you're ingesting. Yeah. Um. Uh, all right. Uh, Locke's initial initial thoughts. Well, actually, um, initial thoughts aren't as negative as you probably would expect um i kind of err on the side of matt for this uh, as far as some of the reasons why I, I actually do enjoy things in this show um the monster fights i did have a blast watching um i think especially as it got later in the show that they got better um because they were kind of, I, th- I felt like I said in my synopsis, they were kind of short at first. But later on, like the Gearus fight is really cool. Uh, and then as we get into five and six, it's more drama heavy, but then there's also more, there's some action set pieces that are really neat to watch as well. Uh, so I think those parts are the very, those are the entertaining things to me. And honestly, I don't think the animation is that bad. Um, Yes, it's very choppy. It's low frame rate styled animation. Whether it's for budgetary reasons or purely for an aesthetic choice, um, at the end of the day, it doesn't really bother me that much. I did think it was inconsistent at points. There were some parts where I could really notice, like when characters are walking around, it was very unnatural and stilted looking, kind of like. <laughs> the really bad 3d animation that's in the, the 3d berserk anime. Um, but then there's other stuff like in later on in the series, like, uh, the fight with Girin, 
extremely well done. It's it's it seems much more fluid. Like there's more frames in it, and then especially going into parts five and six, um, and and building up to those climaxes, it felt like the 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 big the big moments and action scenes in those episodes really looked smooth to me. I, I did I wasn't noting as noting noting noticing as much problem with the uh, frame rate. So. Uh, I think again, it's inconsistent, but it doesn't really bother me, uh, and it doesn't detract from me from the entertainment of everything going on. Where the show really struggles for me is the episodes are all about forty-five minutes long, and when you've got really long episodes like this, it's very important that the story is engaging and coherent, and. Well, I do honestly. I, I like the trio of characters that were introduced to Boko, Joe, and Junichi. I think all three of them have interesting things about them. Um, Boko maybe at first not so much, but definitely Joe and Junichi are, are instantly likable. And Brody, I'm Sucks. sorry. There's nothing I like about Brody. <laughs> We can get more into that later. Um, there's reasons I dislike Brody, but I also feel like he was trying. They were trying to shoehorn him in, kind of like Steve and Stranger Things, and and give him a redemption arc that he it was never earned, and and make him part of the the whole crew and one of their friends. And it's just it doesn't work for me. Um, and then of course, when I talk about coherent story. There's nothing coherent about this anime. I mean, <laughs> there's the, it'll introduce new ideas and then within the next sentence contradict that idea and then contradict that contradiction within the next scene. And you never know exactly what is true or false. It brings up things, like Kevin said, which are references to stuff that is never introduced and we're supposed to know some lore about but was never really explained in the show. So if it's going to be in the manga, that's going to be set in the past and explain a lot of the stuff. That's great. But as just coming into the show, as just a, uh, somebody just watching it. It's, it's a mess, especially when you get to five and six episodes, five and six, that really, really demand that, you know, a lot of that stuff and they don't explain any of it. It's just thrown at you like cannon shot. And then never explained and then contradicted. Uh, it's just a mess. Overall, though, I think it was entertaining. And that's what I want to say is I I really dislike it, but I was still entertained. <laughs> uh, you, I know what your rating for this show is, and it does not... <laughs> It does not match up with the words that are coming out of your mouth. Well, my ra my rating does match up only because my rating would be worse if I didn't find any enjoyment. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'll 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 kind of give my thoughts. Um, I struggled immensely to get through this show. Um, and when I was watching the first episode, I was like, eh, it looks awful, but maybe it's not so bad. But then at a certain point, even in that episode, I like paused it to get a, a snack or something. And I realized there was like 25 minutes left. 
<laughs> and then it and, and then I was like, oh god, this is like this is going to be a problem, isn't it? And um, yeah, these uh, these episodes are forty five minutes long, and um, there's not really anything to them. Um, uh, I the characters themselves are not like aside from Brody aren't really the worst, but the show doesn't really develop them. Um, how is Junichi at the end of the season any different than at the beginning? You know, I mean, things like that. I mean, these characters just kind of, you know, once we're in episode four, they're pretty much just running away from monsters and bad guys. And they're, there almost is there like there is nothing else there um uh so uh, there's not a whole lot there to justify 45 minutes per episode and that's not what i think of as a normally like long episode of tv it's just that the way this storytelling is makes it feel so much longer um uh the uh you know i mean i'm hearing lux and matt and a lot of people say oh the monster fights make it all worth it but to be completely honest with you guys out of uh five kaiju um the only monster fight that i thought was enjoyable and fun and exciting was giran um aside from giran None of these fights I thought were inventive or interesting uh, or anything. Um, It's like when people talk about King of the Monsters. It's like I see something that is like this blurry CG mess uh, that cuts every half a second and is barely comprehensible, and everyone's like, oh, those such great fights. And it's like, well... Really? I mean, aside from the 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 first appearance of Rodan in that film, I don't think any of the kaiju action is all that great. And that's how I feel here. It's like, I, I wish I knew what monster fights you guys watch, because they ain't what I watched. Um, there are... Uh, and, and I guess the other thing I'll say about that is... Um, well, it might suck, but the monster fights are great. And I'm I'm going to go back to what I said when we talked about uh Jurassic World Dominion. A movie I did not like. But there's a there's a action sequence, cool dinosaur sequence or two that I really do like in that movie. If I ever feel like watching that again, I'm just going to pull that scene up on YouTube. I'm not going to sit through I'm I'm not going to sit through a 6 episode anime to watch Gamera fight Giren. I can pull it up on YouTube. So, I mean, if that's... I, I legitimately think creators, storytellers, the people working in this genre, they need to work harder and give us more than just the monster stuff. Because, quite frankly, if the monster stuff is cool, because I got YouTube, I can pull up those scenes whenever I want. I'm not going to go buy the Blu-ray. I'm not going to pull up Netflix and sit through five hours of this to get to a couple monster scenes that are kind of cool. I'm not, I'm not. Um, and that's, that's also kind of, it's, I, I think that it's an active problem that's devaluing this genre. 
because it's reducing it to I'm gonna say it's it's, it's porn. It's you're turning it into porn. Uh, what do you do with porn? You fast forward to the sex scenes. You don't watch anything else. Um, it, it's it's the same thing. Um, and with the internet, if someone wants to go watch porn, they're gonna pull up a sex scene. They're not gonna go and sit down and watch a, por- a complete porn movie. I mean, some people might. I don't know, but <laughs> I don't think people do that anymore because of the internet. Um, and it's the same with this. It's the same with kaiju stuff. It's the same with monster stuff. It's the same with superhero stuff. It's the same with, quite frankly, any kind of action sci-fi based property. Oh, the story wasn't that great, but hey, uh, you know that that dogfight in the new Star Wars was really good. It's like, well, I got, I can, I can watch that one scene. Like, we need to be raising the standard of what we accept. Um, so that's my, my spiel about that. Uh, and, and then just, uh, there's a lot of stuff, um, I was also struggling with, who is this for? Because it seems too juvenile for adults, but it also seems too, like, edgelord, try-hardy for, for kids. And it, it seems like the core audience is, like, the, the sort of, um, uh, uh, kaiju fan in Arrested Development, (laughs) maybe. Um, uh, It doesn't feel like it is really trying to go after any real demographic. I guess teen, maybe, but like, I feel like most teenagers wouldn't be putting up with this crap. Uh, They wouldn't want to watch this. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the, the, the coming, I'm, I mean, like Matt, I'm a sucker for a good coming of age story. Oper- the operative word in that sentence is good. Um, I, I feel like, uh, it's a coming of age story for like the first two episodes maybe. And then like the last five minutes, um, because the rest is just these kids running. Um, and, uh, and look, the, 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 the cell for this movie should write, this should write itself. It's, it is stranger things. With Gamera monsters, um, you know you have your your group of kids growing up in an awkward age, where they are and aren't you know going different paths in their lives, and you even have the bully who uh, becomes one of them. You have them uh, you know in all these shenanigans with a top secret government facility and 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 all that. It's Stranger Things with Gamera, and it, it it's a, it's a, it's such a that if you're gonna use do Gamera in 2023, that's such a like no brainer. And how how they botched it is anyone's guess. Um, I mean, we've joked many times <laughs> among us that it feels like an AI wrote it, and it really kind of does. Because as Kevin and Lux have pointed out, there's so many things that get revealed that really don't mean anything, and there's reveals that when you think about what this character did or said. In an earlier episode, you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. It feels like someone like prompted Chat GPT to like write things, and it and it like forgot what it just wrote. That's what it feels like. Um, uh, and a lot of like humor that doesn't land. I mean, for whatever reason, this show has a pee fetish. I I don't know what the deal is with that, but there is p- talk about pee in this show constantly like con- like take take a drink anytime someone talks about pee you will die um and um 
yeah, I mean, uh, without getting, we'll we'll get into like, uh, especially those. The first four episodes are just kind of going through the motions with the writing. Is oh, there's the new monster. Oh, we got to get the kids from point A to point B so they don't get killed. That's like the first four episodes where it gets where 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 the 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 plot quote unquote comes in is like uh, episode five, and a lot of that doesn't work, and we will we'll, we'll talk about why. Um, and then, yeah, my, my last thing uh, to kind of rant before we get into some specifics, um, the, 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 this thing looks hor- horrible, guys. Um, I'm, I don't, it looks awful. I, I mean, the, the characters look like Nintendo me, me emojis or whatever from the Nintendo Wii where you, like, make yourself in, a, in the Nintendo, uh, they, 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 the animation is horrible. I mean, if, if you have a scene with four people and one person is talking, that person is moving and then no one else is moving or blinking at all. And then when that person's done talking, they just go dead eyed and stare into your soul through your TV as another character suddenly starts talking. And then after they're done, they just shut down like, Aton- uh, automatons. Um, it it's weird. It's creepy looking. It's off putting. Um, and I mean, it, it, there's no real texture. I mean, the, the people's hair just look like clumps of play doh, or you know, someone took a shit on their head. I, I, people with long hair, it doesn't look like hair. It looks like they have these weird, like. It looks like they have like tentacles coming out of their heads. It's weird. It, everything about how this show looks is weird and like hard to look at. It's like staring. At, watching the show is like staring into the sun. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, some of the kaiju fights uh, move a little smoother because I don't know. That's where they put a little extra money in maybe, but none of them are gorgeous or, oh, wow, this looks so good. Uh, even you know, like even the good-looking kaiju stuff isn't as good as other things that are out there. I, I mean, the way this show looks is inexcusable. I, so much of this is inexcusable. Um, uh, that's it, man. <laughs> I, I, I really did not enjoy my time with this. Um, even for the first two episodes, I was thinking, like, yeah, it kind of, like, sucks, but it's not the worst. And then, where everything gets worse is the Zegra episode, which is probably the worst episode out of the whole bunch. Um, and after that episode, it was it was all down. There was no going back. And uh, the, the, the Zegra is, is especially a horrible monster fight. Uh, Gamera just shows up out of nowhere and shoots him in the end. Um, and we'll talk about, I have things to say about Gamera himself that I think are a problem, but um, I've been going on enough, but uh, yeah, I um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, like, I'm, I, I truly don't get any pleasure out of saying that I really didn't like this. I mean, I've been a Gamera fan since I was in elementary school. Um, I, like, I, this is the big return of Gamera, and it seems like the studio sold the franchise short, and it also sold us short as an audience, and that bothers me. Um, 
but uh yeah i um i didn't care f- care for it um so i don't know uh, we we can um kind of uh i guess break down some more specific things um uh do we want to get into the twist yet or are there other things that we should be focusing on first? I think it might be good to take a focus on each of the the main characters first and kind of, and kind of okay. talk about each of them and what what we think That's about a, each of them. Yeah. Um okay, so uh uh well, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about Boko. I mean, he's a pretty standard protagonist uh it would be interesting if we knew more about his relationship with his mom because i think one of maybe two or three scenes we get is her telling her like yeah your friends suck and they aren't gonna mean anything and i don't know we we never really get to see her have a change of heart about that um she's uh she's very overbearing and i guess that's and she's the parent that has the the most kind of development in the show um but uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of, do, do we see his father at any point? I don't believe so. I think it's just no. another. Yeah. And I don't remember if they ever said anything about his father. I don't know. They might have, like in a passing line of dialogue. Oh, he died. Or <laughs> it seems. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It seems I, implied that he's not in the picture, just based off of Boko's situation, where. Boko doesn't even know how to ride a bike. It's, it seems like there's some part of Boko's childhood that's been missing. Yeah, like how, like how there's a piece of this this this. Got, get, I can't even talk. So like how there's a piece of this uh, story storyline missing. Um, I don't know. I don't have much to say about Boko. Uh, there's I get even more. I I do have some things because I'm very confused about what we learn about him later, but that's for another time. Matt, you love these kids. They're like your favorite kids ever. What, what do you think of Boko? Boko's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'll, mm. l- let's put it this way. If you put him up against the kid from, I don't know, Gamma versus Virus, like, is he actually that much less developed? Probably not, but like, <laughs> that's Fair. not a bar. Yeah. That, that that's the the bar's on the floor there. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know that I would uh, say those movies had uh, the most astounding uh, character work either. Um, all right, so I guess we're in unanimous agreement that Boko's whatever. Yeah, it feels um, like to me, and I don't want to compare everything to Stranger Things. There's just a few things that very strongly line up. If, if, I think they but, very obviously were going for that kind of. Oh yeah. Definitely. Oh, you know, even it's set in the 80s and all that but stuff. I think Boko, as main character, suffers from season one Will Byer syndrome. Um, yeah. yeah. Like set up <laughs> to be the main character, and he's sort of like this chosen one kid, but he's hardly ever part of the plot. He doesn't have much agency in it until the very end. And it's very strange. Uh, he's yeah. playing little brother kind of role um and and being kind of a a bit of a pushover for for the other characters with stronger personalities uh for most of it that's a good segue into yeah. joe because joe yeah. is very much the um the older brother figure for boko 
Yeah. And you know, I like Joe. You know why I like Joe? Because Joe, from the, the first second things started getting crazy, he was like, this is bullshit. This is a waste of my time. <laughs> it's a waste of your time. <laughs> Viewers at home, I'm looking at you. I know this is a waste of your time also. This sucks. Joe is mouth from the it, Goonies. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Joe is real. Joe is he 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 knows every time he opened his mouth. It's like, yeah, he's saying what I'm thinking It's like, guys, this is stupid. He's the guy in the slash. What are we doing? That is like, hey, maybe we shouldn't go exploring this uh, one campground where the teenagers were killed in the middle of the night one year ago today, you know? Yeah, Joe from the beginning felt like everything was a waste of time, it was all pointless, and it's nothing any of us, including us at home, should be doing. That's the vibe Joe gives off. Joe has my respect. Yeah, I love Joe. I I agree. And and that's rooted in... This uh, the attitude from the first episode, and it ties back at the end of the the whole series. Is Joe is very much wanting to have this one last big summer with his friends, and all of this kaiju stuff and this, everything they've been dragged into has completely derailed that and stolen it from them. And he hates it, and he just wants to get back to it. And yeah. he's the one that's had the most loss in his life, so it makes sense that he's the most like overprotective and cautious when it comes to like. Let's not get involved in kaiju shenanigans because this shit is dangerous. Yeah, there's, yeah, he's just he's just fed up. Yeah, with there's it. some good. Scenes and even in, when, um, he, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to. Oh no, I, I was just gonna say as we get into like what the twist is, like there's stuff that like I don't know, it's not that surprising of a twist, and there's stuff. Joe, Joe, w- just like me at home, Joe was guessing this was happening before anyone else. Like Joe is the only one that has any damn sense in this yes. whole show except for one other character we'll get to him much later <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so we're we're all team joe that's good um i guess we'll we'll talk about i mean we, we just because i don't know the, we probably don't have too much more to say what we haven't said already but brody definitely going for the oh he's the bully and now he's the friend arc from stranger things the difference is stranger things with steve had him as the bully for an entire season, and that was actually a character arc that was built up and organic. Brody literally, in episode two, he's cool with everyone. The people that he called racist names to and beat up and stole their money, they're cool with him suddenly. It's literally overnight. Yeah, he, he even says, guys, that money I stole, I can't give it back to you ever. Like and they're like, oh, 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 yuck, yuck, yuck! What a wacky guy. That's our like, weird friend Brody. <laughs> yeah, that's our weird new friend, and it's like that—that's it. I mean, that happens in the second episode, and he is just constantly volunteering himself to go hang out with these kids, go get into stupid adventures with them. I mean, uh, the, the thing that wh- weirds me out about him is when he first mugs them, he's with his friends, and then he's with his friends when the Gauss appear. And then he, his friends are never mentioned again. And like, did did they die? Like, well, th- I was asking this um, when I was watching it. Like, and we had our group chat up. The in the Zegra episode, they they don't say who specifically they're talking about, but they say the other kids that saw Gauss were on this other ship, 
Zegra came and killed everybody on that ship. Um, and then knowing later the twist and why maybe those kids may have been may I don't know. This is where that twist makes no sense. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is it's not said that those are his Brody's friends, but like that's how I interpreted it because they I don't know any about any other kids that saw the Gauss. Maybe there were other, maybe they did mention other kids. I don't know, but they said the other kids were on another ship and they're all dead now. Um, and so. I don't know. Even if it, even if it wasn't those kids, like you would think Brody might even say, like, my other friend saw Gauss. Like, can you tell me if they were on the ship and like maybe have a moment where he finds out his friends are dead or something? But he doesn't care. the the the, the screenwriter doesn't care. We don't. And, and then because of that, we don't care. I, I'm like that's just one of many missed opportunities to maybe actually have some something that can develop these characters more instead of just having them literally walk from scene to scene and run from place to place. Um, that's where it's like, it's you're, 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 you're short selling these characters by not giving them any real thing to use to develop them. Um, and so, yeah, the Brody's whole deal is weird. I mean, I don't know why you couldn't, I mean, I'm doing that thing that I hate where, you know, someone who doesn't like something is, like, rewriting it. But sometimes it's inevitable and it can't be helped. But, uh, like, why not, you know, why couldn't the writer manufacture some reason why maybe Brody wouldn't want to be with these kids and be forced to be with them um, and have to learn to like them and have to learn to work with them? We don't get that ever. And that's um, technically what happens, and it's just not treated that way. <laughs> right, yeah. It's just, oh, these are my friends now, and they're like, oh, this is our new weird friend, and it's like, that's it. It's like, yeah, this government organization just rounded us up, gave us all these weird communication devices, said that we're on a short leash, and we're all stuck in this now. But hey, Brody, you're our friend. <laughs> um... And I guess I guess it makes sense to go from Brody into our next character because speaking of things that the show does and just doesn't use it as the no-brainer opportunity to develop these characters or do anything, let's talk about Junichi. Um, do we have to? I mean, Junichi's <laughs> one of the more interesting characters for what they, I don't know, might have been going for, but it's clear. <laughs> Like is is Junichi autistic? Like that's it's unclear. Le- legitimate question because there seems to be uh, a distinct lack of understanding of social cues. The obsessing over all of these uh, kind of fringe topics and collecting all of these magazines and and whatnot. And then when it comes to you know the way that uh, the character uh, is presented, things like that. It's uh, it, it does seem that there's some sort of, you know, perhaps atypical socialization, and it's not clear if that's what they were going for, or, or if it was just one of those. Uh, I mean, Net- Netflix has also a tendency to to adapt things like Comey can't communicate and uh, High Score Girl and other things about just the most ad- adorable children who probably have autism. So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I kind of wonder if if that's what they were leaning for. The only thing that makes me really wonder if, if it was intentional or not is just is only because it's a Japanese production, and and 
I'm not going to say I know much about Japanese culture or, or how they view these particular things, but um, from a Western perspective on it and being uh, a member of neurodivergent community um, as well as non-binary, this is the character that's tailor-made for my people, basically. <laughs> um, and while it comes across very honestly, and I, I actually do, I really love Junichi. Junichi is honestly my favorite character in the show. But that has more to do with Junichi having so much more agency than all the other kids in the show. Junichi, like you said, is the smart kid. So Junichi is the one who is the one coming up with the ideas and telling the adults, hey, this is what we should be doing. Uh, that's the normal stand-in for a kid in a Gamera movie. Um, so automatically you're, you, you, we automatically are supposed to like Junichi because Junichi is the one who's doing things in the show and, and who is smart and excited about all of this stuff that's going on. Whereas Joe and Boko aren't excited about it. They, they're just along for the ride. And Brody definitely isn't excited about it either. He's just there for the ride and trying to impress his dad. Um, Getting to the elephant in the room with Junichi, though. <laughs> yes. Junichi is presented as non-binary and is presumed to be one of the guys um, up until uh, just a throwaway scene at the end of everyone's favorite episode, episode three with Zegra, uh, where it, uh, there's just an offhand comment from uh, Boko and Joe, I believe, uh, they they see Junichi off uh, talking to Emiko, and uh, Junichi and Emiko had had a, a real bonding experience during this episode, which is one of the only good things on the episode. Um, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, you know, girls will be girls." And then Brody, it's just, it's, it's, he has this like weird, and his brain just cracks, just like all of us watching the show. <laughs> uh, and, and he's just like, "Wait, what did you just say?" And it's like, yeah, you know, it's not a big deal. It's like Junichi's our friend. And then for some reason, I don't know why they chose to do this, but Brody immediately has the hots for (laughs) Junichi. And not only is this extremely problematic from... Uh, just them all being children. They're they're all, what, 12 and 11 years old. It's it's very weird. Um, But... It's the the stereotype of the uh, not just queer baiting but also the chaser. And as soon as Brody finds out that it's okay, or that that this character is actually a girl, uh, oh, I, well, I've, now I'm attracted to this this you know this mm-hmm. character who's non-conforming but is a girl. Uh, it's, it's this chaser attitude. It's oh, I only I'm only going to go after this the specific. Um, trans or not a gender non-conforming type of person. I'm only attracted to them. Uh, it's super problematic. I, I really hate to see it. And thankfully it's dropped and it's never addressed again after like one more scene in the next episode where <laughs> yeah. Brody pretends he's jealous. Um, yeah, I just, it's one of those things like where, I don't know, it, this happened early enough where I thought this might still be kind of a normal show. And um, going back to the coming-of-age tropes, it's like, 
you know, you you could have developed. I don't want to say like like you said, these are like really young kids, so not necessarily like a romance romance, but at least some kind of like um, budding or like maybe like kind of puppy love, innocent like kid version of romance, you know. Uh, between the two of them, I, I don't know. You you could have done something with that relationship. I definitely figured that the dynamic between those two characters would change, um, but it begs the question of why even if you're not going to use us to develop these characters or their relationships to each other, what was even the point of any of that? And I feel like if anybody is going to argue that this was supposed to be uh, interpreted as that, you know, innocent very young puppy love, you know, childlike adoration. Childhood crush. Exactly. Yeah. If, if they're going to argue for that sort of thing, go back to the beginning of episode three, where there's a scene where Erico comes out in a bikini and, all of the kids are ogling Eriko and and even Junichi, and they're all like, "Wow, she is so hot!" And it's like, no, these kids are clear; they know what sex is. <laughs> these <laughs> these kids are sexually attracted to people, so it's not just childhood crush. There, there's more to it, and, and I, it's it's very skeevy. I hate it. It's weird. I mean, they're um, twelve, so it's it's not like they're. Eight, they're getting you know, so exactly and i wouldn't expect them to not know about sex it's just oh my god it's very weird to have brody attracted to junichi just because he found out that junichi is a girl yeah. <laughs> i i could also what? see it as like he's been on a ship for weeks there's no other girls around <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> It's, it's, oh uh, lord uh, it only gets more problematic let's not go there <laughs> the more we talk the more horrible it gets um but yeah i mean you know maybe be like okay he has a crush on Janichi, and maybe i don't know do something with that um uh but uh yeah i don't know matt how did you feel about that whole deal uh, I forgot about it mainly because the show did immediately so it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> fair <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and honestly, if, if it wasn't such a hot topic for me personally and relating to my personal life, I wouldn't have latched onto it either. It just happens to be something that, hey, Junichi very much is my people, and I hate that. Yeah, well, I mean, it, but no, I, and that's completely valid. Um, and uh, it sucks that it happened with an opportunity like that, but... It, it's also, to me, a big uh, thing that's just emblematic of a general problem with this show is that it does bring up opportunity. It brings up opportunity after opportunity to develop these characters, what their relationships are, push them forward, and it just doesn't. You know, why not? It, like, if, if a coming of age story, a, a kid having a crush on another kid is like part of that. Why? Why are you not doing like? Why? What? What are like? What are you doing? Whoever wrote this? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe um, they wanted to take it as far as Stephen King's It. <laughs> oh, Janichi, watch out! <laughs> if the audience writes their own fan fiction, then that counts as engagement. Yeah, this is getting worse um, by the second. I just <laughs> 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 watch out, Janichi. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. These are 
really just like I don't know. To me, this is such obvious like screenwriting one hundred and one stuff. <laughs> um, and it's amazing how often this kind of thing happens. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, are we ready to get into the big spoiler yeah. stuff? Yeah, because we don't really find out anything important about James or Erico and or Emiko, sorry, until these last couple episodes. So it is time. Yeah. Um. Jeez. Uh, yeah, unless we wanted to like give general thoughts on the monsters before that. Yeah, we can uh, do we that. We can do that. Yeah, we. we also, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we touched the, on a lot of that. One of the side characters as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the one side character is this guy that uh, he. I'm not sure what his actual job title is, but he sits around in a tank all day. Um, <laughs> he's the tank commander. He's the it's like a battalion commander. Yeah, he's he, the best he, character in the show. I'm pretty sure someone with whatever uh, vague job title he has probably has a lot of work he needs to be doing throughout the day, um, and he just sits in the tank and then. He just chills, and then every now and then some underling comes and tells him, like, hey, another monster showed up. Yeah, it's bad. It, like, messed up a bunch of stuff. It killed a bunch of people. And he's like, ah. Hmm. It really oh. is Chekhov's tank. It ends up being Chekhov's tank indeed. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, that guy is uh, awesome because it, he is also, like, you know, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to chill and something important happens, they'll let me know. And I'm pretty sure he's avoiding responsibility with whatever his actual job is. But uh, he's who we all... W- <laughs> yeah, he, he's who we all <laughs> wish we could be at work every day. And over the course um, of the series, it's like, I believe, like, months go by. And every time they <laughs> flash back, it's just all the tanks sitting in the same field. He's still sitting in the tank. He's still making origami. And... They just it's, the hatch opens and he's like, "Oh, the outside world! What's going on?" Well, yeah. sir, <laughs> they should get him a radio. What, what I None wonder is a, uh, I do wonder Until if that's episode six. <laughs> I do wonder if that's kind of a smart ass jab at the way the defense force is. I mean, yeah, I think that was is you know with with. Uh, their relationship with the U.S. Um, I mean, uh, like the the Kaneko's Gamera movies um, address it a little bit, and uh, unfor- I mean, he I, he said like you know when I did it, I wasn't trying to make a comment; I was just trying to show how things would be, and people misinterpreted that as me giving some commentary. I wasn't. He said I wasn't giving a commentary, and I think Shinzo Abe's uh, this is what he said at Kaiju Masterclass. He said I think his attempts to change these things are destroying Japanese democracy. So, I mean, he, so in the history of Gamera, this is the first time I felt like maybe there is a little bit of a comment on it because yes, the, the U S are the ones that are pretty much the only military fighting these things almost until the very end of the show. And I, I don't know. I wonder if maybe guy in tank is just them saying like, yeah, this guy and these tanks could be doing something, but the U S has to do X, Y, and Z first. Um, I have wondered about that. Didn't Seshta say in his interview that uh, originally they wrote it to be much more, you know, Japan-centric, and then Katakawa was 
kind of yelling at them that this needs to appeal to an international to, uh, yeah it's, yeah i'm wondering if some of the americanisms were yeah you know kind of added later in development yeah and i, I wonder if you, that might even be some kind of retaliation like oh you want american stuff here here you go are you insinuating <laughs> that brody was never supposed to be in this show it's possible that, i don't know but it's possible. possible yeah um, we'll call them what these things from these movies. Oh God! And that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode one, uh, <laughs> you have the American general or whatever. This Brody's dad. He's like, "What do the Japanese call those things in those movies? They like kaiju. Yes, we'll call the monsters kaiju." And it's just, I, I don't know. You could probably, I'm sure there's some way that the 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 speed at which my eyes rolled into my skull probably made some kind of sound. Um, wow. And, and, and then later in the show, they go to a flashback from like a long time ago where they refer to the monsters as kaiju. So it's like, what? Um, speaking of those flashbacks. Um, episode uh, five. Episode five. I don't even. I'm gonna sound like I had a stroke, but I'm gonna try my best to describe what's going on. So it's revealed that Emiko uh, has been using Eustace as part of this doomsday cult uh, because a hundred thousand years ago, or a million years ago, I don't know, a long ass time ago, hundred thousand. Uh, yeah, okay. They failed. Uh, what did they fa- they failed to end humanity more or less. Uh it's it's so it's you have a combination of um the cult from Evangelion and Godzilla King of the Monsters um because it's oh overpopulation, humanity is the virus, la 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 bla bla bla. We've heard it before. Um so their plan is to use the monsters to wipe out all but I think like a very small percentage yeah, of it's humanity. Like less than one percent. It's yeah. very tiny. Yeah, like it's like a million people or so left after, and um, and they they, they and they want to cleanse the earth because you know he we're the virus. Blah. Um, now to do this, this is where I'm gonna sound insane, and I'm gonna need I'm I'm probably gonna need some help. So to do this, I can't help you. So 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 it turns out that yes they've been feeding the kaiju children. And that is the one kind of like uh plot beat that I really like because it's like how how that is a perfect element for a Gamera story that's kid centric. And I don't know. I'm I'm thinking back to things that I liked growing up like um uh the witches and uh and stuff like that where it's like you know scary stories for little kids where kids are like the thing that the monster eats, you know, your monster under the bed kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, that is an interesting idea for a Gamera series. Like the monsters want to eat kids and there's bad guys that want to feed kids to monsters. Of course, like everything else in this show, it it ultimately means not much. Um, Anyway, so it turns out Boko has something called minus code in his in his genes. Um, and if a monster, and the reason they haven't had any other monsters eat him yet is because they need virus to eat him because virus needs the minus code to help 
end humanity. Like, Virus is the... Di- they say he's different from the other monsters, and that's why he's been mummified for underground for this long period of time. And um, it, it turns out he's been in hibernation since their last attempt at this. Um, and so Virus, they need him to eat a kid with minus code, which is Boko. Um, and that will give them control over Virus, and so he can do his doomsday thing? This is where I completely lose the plot. Because... <laughs> okay, so... Like, a, a minute later, it totally rejects all of this and says none of that actually mattered. <laughs> so I guess the, the kaiju are attacking Boko because he has the, the minus code. And I guess they're programmed to seek out children who have the special code and eat them so they can be controlled. It, I, I guess that's the way that's, that it works. Yeah. Um, and the bad guys have a base on the moon, so they don't have to be on Earth while the kaiju is wreaking havoc. But if they control the monster, why do they have to have the base on the moon? And then the yeah. is if the kaiju eat another child who doesn't have the code, then the kaiju won't be in their control. And they only wanted Virus to eat Boko as opposed to Giron or Zegra or the other kaiju that were attacking for some reason. But then it's never, it, it's later... Not. Until, until later, <laughs> when they're like, oh, it's also okay if Gauss does it or if Gamera does it. So, yeah, uh, uh, but even just with with virus, even later in the same episode, uh, Amico and them are they're trying to stop the kids from escaping on the space shuttle, and virus is coming up from underground and hasn't eaten Boko yet, so virus is is out of control, and and Emiko's lackey is like, oh no, we're in trouble. Virus is going to eat us, and then Emiko's like, no, we're okay. Virus does, isn't going to eat the, eat us. He's only after the kid. It's like we're the chosen ones, and it's like, but you just said that he needs to eat the kid so you can control him. Otherwise, he'll eat you. Like ten minutes ago, what? Y- yeah, the whole <laughs> thing with her aunt where she says like that she's turning against her and and now she's in trouble and then nothing comes of that and then the ant is fine on the moon. Yeah, because the ant was thinking fifth dimensionally at the beginning of episode six. I, uh, I can't. We'll get into episode six in a minute. Um, but yeah, then the other thing I was thinking is like if their plan was to fuck off to the moon anyway... Why do they even care about Earth's population and Earth's problems if they were just all going to go and hang out on the moon and be part of this elite club of survivors? Like, why do they even care? And what is Minus Code? Like, what is it? Why they do? Never, what they, is it? Yeah, they never explained that. Who is Dario? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dario is a helicopter pilot that we first see in a really quick scene in episode four and he gets hurt or something. And then like, he's like a main character in episode five and everyone's like, no, Dar, not Dario. And most of the show, he's like bleeding profusely and still doing like laborious work. It's. Was he one of the guys on the sub initially? He was he? I don't been. know. 
I don't know. All I know is that I... It, it doesn't help when all these damn characters look the same. <laughs> yeah, all the henchmen are so faith, faceless and have so little characterization to that point that you can't really... <laughs> you wouldn't know he was Dario. Um... Yeah, and then and then I don't know. This is also where we get like weird, like uh, what's the guy's name? The guy that looks like a anime Matt Gates. Oh, James. James. Yeah, yeah, uh, James. What something? Yeah, his motivations and allegiance and all that literally change from scene to scene. Sometimes the show uh, is in on it, and sometimes the show just seems to forget what they already established with him. Um, but. Yeah, it, it, and then they 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 like there's a in in the fight with Giron when Gamera gets his arm cut off, Boko like grabs his arm and he's like, "Ow!" And it's like, okay, are they going for an Asagi thing where he has this connection to Gamera? And if so, why was it only in that one scene? But also, why in general? It was before he touched the magic crystal or whatever so you can't say oh that is why he has a connection with Gamera I was well, it goes back to episode one because it's like when Gamera first shows up he like holds his head and then like when they're trying to talk about what they should call Gamera he like grabs his head again it's like oh and he's like oh it's Gamera yeah and that but then like he doesn't know anything and about anything until he touches the crystal and gets the flashback that he's got is the big exposition yeah. dump yeah, that that seems to be a code thing. Although in that same scene, I get perplexed because you know they're like this, the the giant turtle creature, and then the, they're like, "Oh, you should call it Gamera," and they're like, "Oh, we we gotta give him a name." Oh, I guess so. But then like all of the other kaiju, there's no like hesitation to give them names. So it was like, yeah, yeah, because Eustace had already named them though at that point. Like, yeah, Gamera was one they didn't know about apparently. Before we get into episode six, this brings me back to something I said earlier was I have a problem with just Gamera in this because Boko, I mean, all the characters seem, you know, Boko especially, Gamera is here to help. He's here to save the day and, uh, and everything. And like, okay, this goes back to what we were saying. How does he know that? Why does he know that? Um, why does he feel anything that Gamera feels? It, it yeah the the we can do a little bit of connecting the dots and say it's a code thing but like okay but what is the we don't even know what minus code is it never really tells us does it mean he's a descendant of some some someone that had a connection with Gan- like what does it mean um and then you know uh but it, the way it is in the show it's like you know i think in the jiger episode when gamera and jiger are fighting they're like we think he's fighting over food because we think that he wants, we think he's fighting over people to eat. And everyone is like, no, that's not true. Not, not Gamera. And it's like, okay, but why not Gamera? Like Gamera sucks in this. Everything that about Gamera in this show, the only reason we know it is because we have seen the, the Gamera movies. We know the character, we know the franchise. This this does nothing to really explain why anyone would trust that Gamera is protecting us. And then Gamera himself is like, is such a deus ex machina every time in every episode with every monster. He literally just shows up out of nowhere 
at the last second and beats the monster. We don't know where he is, what he's doing before that. It's very abrupt. Um, we only see him um, when he just comes out of the side of the frame and, you know, body slams a monster or whatever. Like, the, uh, we, we don't know. Any, we know that Gamera was one of the evil kaiju they made a million years ago or whatever, and he was reprogrammed to be good. We we know that because it's explained in like very throwaway dialogue, um, but we don't know anything else about Gamera at all. Everything else we know about Gamera is only because we've seen the character and know the character from the other movies that we have seen. Um, yeah, we, we and that, sure that if Boko has a psychic connection then he trusts Gamera implicitly, and then the other kids trust him implicitly. But then when it comes to, and the military trusts the children implicitly, I, I lose the train somewhere. Yeah. Imagine you're watching Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, and Asagi just starts like, we never see her pick up the bead, and we never see her uh, you know, looking into Gamera's... Um, thoughts or whatever and and we just know she just starts bleeding when gamera gets hurt and is like ow ow and everyone's like what and she's like nothing it's nothing <laughs> you know that's kind of how this plays out um so yeah like gamera the only reason to care about gamera in this is because we know the other movies if, if, i don't know how a first time someone who hasn't watched gamera would react to this um and it's one of those things where if you have if that's the way you failed it as a reboot at that point um as people who are familiar with gamma though what did you think of some of the new abilities that this camera showed off uh i think that they watched a lot of toho godzilla movies and I think they were like, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool if he like lights up before he shoots a beam? And wouldn't it be cool if he? Wouldn't it be cool if Gamera had a nuclear pulse?" Uh, that's what I think. I kind of wildly. Liked it. I kind of liked in the. Uh, <laughs> is it at the end of? I think it is in episode six where he does the. Uh, he turns his body into the Rasengan from Naruto, <laughs> and just completely annihilates S. Gauss. I really like that jutsu he learned. I thought it was awesome. Also, uh, also the first time we see camera doing the, uh, the, the classic UFO spin is not until the fight with Garen and he uses it to cut Garen in half. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Garen is a crazy ninja cracked out. Ninja, um, is pretty amusing. Um, like I said, that's the only scene in this whole series that I can say like, wow, I actually like that. Um, Matt, you're like the guy that liked this the most. Can you help with any of this minus code stuff? I said that they didn't really explain. Uh, so no, you can't. It, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, it's just you know, hey, I gotta if if the one guy that likes it is here, like I gotta at least see if you can the help. Sto- like the storytelling is trash. I mean, I think no, I'm but gonna- I. Okay. <laughs> okay, I, I I know that I know. I just I, I guess I was just hoping you could help, maybe. But no, know. they don't. They don't explain it. They like they sort of talk about it as if we already know what it is, and we 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 don't. So, and they have this um, weird extra 
fifth dimension, you know, flashback sequences. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, uh, episode six is the one that broke us. <laughs> um, like, okay, so Virus is dead. Um, now, before Virus died, they injected Virus with some RNA crap, <laughs> um, which leads to Virus being cut open at the beginning, and they and there's a baby Gauss inside. So this is like, I don't know, because of whatever stuff they injected into Virus, this is like going to be a super Gauss. Um, so then we go to a flashback of the Eustace folks um, studying a Gauss, and they're talking about it, and like it's nature and stuff, and they, they're like, this is the same as Jonathan Livingston Seagull. <laughs> Um, which is the, you know, the, the old folk tale or whatever about, you know, the seagull that's trying to learn about how to fly and, and gains, I guess, you know, uh, self, uh, self-fulfilling, um, he transcends space and time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, what, so Gauss is Jonathan Livingston seagull, which that already like broke Everyone. Like, that broke everyone. Everybody just snapped. Um, And this is, like, the first five minutes of the episode. Um, So, uh, Gamera is uh, dead because reasons. I don't know. Just because. So, he after he kills Virus, he lands and just up and dies. He's like, I don't want any... You know what? I've had enough of this show. Just let me... Just let me go, everybody. Um... Mood. <laughs> so then, uh, uh, we, we didn't talk about the worst designed space shuttle ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Go oh, God. Yeah. We have to yeah. Go back. Yeah. We have to go back. We're going back in, guys. Um, <laughs> do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, who we all love, Joe, we stick up for Joe around here. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, James and the kids get, they go to space to escape this virus situation while Gamera's handling virus, and then they're like, okay, obviously we can't stay up here, we need to, like, get back to Earth, so there's a, there's an escape pod in the space, uh, shuttle, and, um, they're like, okay, like, you know, there is room for everyone, let's get in here, let's go, easy solution, right? Uh, well, the, uh, automatic control thing in the pod is broken. The only, uh, the only, uh, the only way to activate the pod is a lever that's outside of the pod in the shuttle. So basically, if this happened and you were the only person in this shuttle, you wouldn't be able to use the escape pod because you have to be in the shuttle to use it. Uh, I think one of, uh, one of, one of the people in our chat uh might be one of you guys i don't know but what's one of you one of you said um this is the worst designed uh uh mechanism since the titan sub um 
So anyway, so Joe's like, yeah, you guys get in the pod. I'll pull the lever. I've had enough of this. I just, you know, you know what? Just go. We're done. I'm done. I, I can't handle this anymore. You guys go, and I'll just die. Um, so Joe sacrifices himself for everybody. Everyone is sad because, no, we like Joe. We all like Joe. Um, now, there's a reason that sacrifice we literally forgot about it until Kevin reminded us. Um, spoiler alert, it's because it's something that didn't matter, like everything else that comes up in this show. Um, and we'll talk about why later. <sighs> so, yeah, that's where we are with that. Another just, I don't know, I like, there's no, I don't understand the writing. Like, it's chat GPT stuff. <sighs> So yeah, anyway. episode six is a lot of Boko coming to terms with his uh, his brotherly My summer figure is Joe over. is now dead, and yeah, the, their summer is over, is ending, and they didn't get to spend time together, and now Joe is gone, and now he's losing Gamera too, and we're all gonna die, and oh, woe is me. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and so and uh, then they call in the experts. Yeah, so they call in some scientists, and um, uh, they have Gamera. They've moved him to this facility, and they're like, "Guys, we got like, the, how do we how do we get him alive again?" Um, and then uh, Boko's like, "The kaiju, like, um, their power is derived from this crystal, this aurelium stuff, um, and they have a shard of that." And uh, and they're like, "How can we possibly get it to?" Uh, to like how do we how do we get how do we get how do we use this to uh um power up gamma and it takes way more people than it should to realize that um you can put it in a coil right yeah the kids have to play pictionary with the adults <laughs> and and the adults are like oh oh that's a coil and the kids are like yeah yeah it's a coil yeah, oh god it's 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 a thing and then, uh, and then the scientist uh, he he rigs Gamera he, he he rigs Gamera up with these coils and stuff uh, to get him powered up. And like he's standing on Gamera, and he's like, "It's working. He's waking up." And it's like, "Dude, get off of the giant turtle." <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not a good idea. Um, so uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Uh, has uh, has eaten Emiko and shit out her ring and uh, is growing and he's bad. And so um, uh, he is turned into a super gauss. Now, what is a super gauss, you say? It is a slightly more deformed-looking gauss, but it has gigantic, goofy ears. That's your super gauss. Um, it's a goofy-looking thing. And it kind of moves as slowly and clumsily as Godzilla in the Polygon movies. <laughs> Super Gauss and, must be confused with Hyper Gauss or Powered Gauss. Yes, this is or S Space Gauss. Gauss. Very different. <laughs> um, so uh, Super Gauss, or as I like to call him, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, um, is on a rampage, and Gamera is revived, and the tank guy is like, you know what, I've had enough of this bullshit. Yeah, the tanks showed up. Um, yeah, he's like, I've had enough of these motherfucking kaiju in this motherfucking Japan. 
<laughs> that was awful. Anyway. That is the cold open. <laughs> um, That's exactly what he said in the show. Yeah, and then, he, and then he mobilizes the tanks, and, uh, you know, they're fighting the Gauss, and Gamera shows up and fights the Gauss, and... Uh, Gauss uh, has this enormously long tongue, um, and he he shoves it into Gamera and starts pumping RNA stuff into him um, because that's going to reprogram Gamera to be evil like he used to be. Um, Anyway, uh, the tank guys uh, uh, help with the Gamera-Gauss whatever deep-throating thing they got going on. And, um, you know, as Gamera will do, he kills the enemy Gauss. And then, uh, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, but he's already got the RNA in him, it's too late. And so Gamera's, uh, he, uh, like, changes color, and his eyes change color, and oh, he here he comes. Evil Gamera is back. Um, but then Boko's like, wait, Gamera, like, don't do that, that's bad. And then Gamera's just like, oh. And then he turns good again. Um, so to recap, they changed Gamera's <laughs> code in order to get, to get him to eat the child that would change his code. Yes. Yes. <laughs> keep up. Try to keep up. Yeah. Which, again, if, if, Gauss, if, the, if, the, if Gauss could do this already, it contradicts them saying that, you know, Virus had to be the one to do it. And then... If if Gauss could rewrite the code anyway, why why not just do that already? It, there's a lot of questions that just make no sense. Um, but yeah, Gauss had re, re, Gauss rewrites the code with his crazy RNA deep throat weapon, and uh, and that's that. Uh, so yeah, it's, so yeah, why even why if they could do anything like this to begin with, why even bother with the with with Boko and the and eating the kids with the co- like what like why even do any of that? It, it, Look, it, I'm going to need you to get way up off my back. With this whole thing. <laughs> um, if virus had successfully eaten Boko, would Gauss still have come out of virus? Uh, yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah. I it it it, it really is whatever the show does. It finds a way to undo within uh, some within mi- minutes. Honestly, maybe even seconds. Sometimes Speaking it undoes almost immediately. <laughs> um, so anyway, the one thing we're all like, you know what? It's kind of a bummer. I guess I felt something, Joe. Man, you know, pour one out for Joe. So then we go to a post-credit scene. Uh, the first part which is hilarious um oh we don't get to talk about gamera's demise i do oh yeah yeah gamera uh doesn't feel so well mr stark and then <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh, and then turns after it, he shoots a laser pinpoint to the base on the moon yeah him controlling gravity don't forget yes gamera controls gravity yeah, they even say Gamera can control gravity, but they don't say why, they don't say how. Like, the show just decides it's a thing Gamera, who has historically not controlled gravity. It the, it just says that, like, he can do. So, yeah, he so, magically right. 
rewrites the rewriting of the rewritten DNA and is good again, and then blasts <laughs> the base on the moon and promptly just Thanos snaps himself. <laughs> yeah, so um so before that before the post credit scene um, I guess Eustace is somehow still a uh, active organization. I don't know how they wouldn't have been shut down, sued into oblivion, or just uh, fled to another country. But Eustace is, uh, they're there, and I guess it's not a big deal because they let the kids come and see, oh, they got this cute little adorable baby Gamera who really is truly adorable, I will, I will say. It looks a lot like Toto, um, and that, that's on purpose, I believe. Yes, <laughs> um, and the kids are like, "Oh, look at the little guy!" And then the show ends, and we get the credits. And then we go after the credits, um, and uh, so um, we get to uh, James, or is like I like to call him uh, Anna Matt Gates, um, and it turns out he has uh, kept a piece of the Aurelium crystal. And so we suddenly go from the eighties to I don't know. This would be um, what the likely, early two thousands, yeah, likely early to yeah, likely early to mid two thousands, um, and we see him dressed up in a very familiar looking black turtleneck on a very familiar looking stage with a very, on a very, very familiar, familiar stage. with a very familiar <laughs> script. Yes, legitimately, like almost verbatim, repeating a very familiar speech that kind of changed uh, uh, technology as we know it. Um, and that is uh, the Steve Jobs announcement of the iPhone, uh, which is, uh, you know, hey, the smartphone is here. It's going to change the world speech. And it, I mean, this is very famous stuff that I would think most people listening know. So uh, in this universe, um, he, this guy basically became Steve Jobs later in life. And um, it's all because a virus invented the iPhone. Um. So that broke me really. I, I was like, I like that. That just felt like someone punched me. I, I was like, "What? This is the post-credit scene." And then we get another scene, uh, and it is um, the communicator, um, one of the communicators that the kids have been using throughout the show. And it's a call from Joe, and he's like, "Hey, is anyone there? Hello, hello, hello." Um, so that one, the one tiny emotion you might have felt throughout this whole thing, uh, never mind, because like many things, it doesn't matter. Um, and I that's like episode it. six. Did you say you like it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You like the, the iPhone thing or the... Uh, I, no, none of that. That was... I have no idea what that was. I just like to show. I, I I thought it was fun. <laughs> all right, that's my that's my defense. It was probably more just because it was me and my son watching it. Like there, there's something about like. Well, no, I mean, I know what you mean too. Because like, there's times when Julia sat me down to watch something that like it's like okay, this is a piece of crap. But just just the bonding experience makes you feel like okay, this is actually like. You know, it's quality time being spent with your child. Um, I was, that's legit. I, we I, 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 I like throughout the the show. So probably a lot, like a lot of the stuff that I've been paying attention, listening to the story. I've been like, "What is going on?" I didn't like care about. I was just like watching the monsters fight each other and picking up on most of what was happening, and then also 
being like, yeah, some of this doesn't make sense, but it's fine. This is what happens when you watch sports, isn't it? Yeah. This is why kids ruin everything. No, kids are the best. I, hey, I like, you know, believe it or not. Tell Julia that you said that kids ruin No, be- believe it or not, I, I did not like kids until my brother had kids, and now I like kids. <laughs> I mean, what I'm getting but, from this conversation is that the show is best experienced when you're highly distracted. <laughs> yes, it's best experienced when you're highly distracted and watching it with someone who has not developed critical thinking skills yet. Then why didn't we all like this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I liked it, so that explains it. All right. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I saw Kevin sent me something earlier today of Seshida he is, he's threatening like five more seasons. Um, I, I, the man must be stopped. Um, and, uh, it's especially sad. Look, I know that corporations are corporations. They need to follow the money. They need to do what's smart that can make them money. I understand that. Um, and we talked about this when the trailer announcement and all that stuff came out, but Chusuke Kaneko, who is like in like a pretty bad spot career wise, um, he could probably use Gamera and Gamera, Gamera could probably use him. I'll say that. But I mean, uh, when they were in like early development on this thing, he went to Katakawa and was like, you know what guys, like I'm right here. Hey, like I, like, have you thought about maybe I could come back and do another Gamera movie? And they were like, no, stop, stop, we're doing something. And uh, they said no, because we are working on this piece of crap. And it's like, look, like I said, I know studios, they, they, they need to be business savvy. They need to they need to be smart about what they invest money in, and they need to be smart about what they can make back. I get it, I get it. But it's like, it just seems like... Uh, Man, like I don't know. It's salt in the wound to know that Kaneko was willing to do a Gamera movie, and they told him no because this exists. I get it. If they're already spending money in pre-production, and this is the thing that they're putting for putting that into, I get that they might be hesitant to be like, yeah, I don't know if we want to actively develop two projects on a franchise that, honestly, outside of like. Your kaiju diehards. There's not much demand for. Which is it, strange, it, considering the only people that seem to be watching this right now are the kaiju diehards. Yes, and so, I, but, and I mean that that tells me from a business standpoint, maybe they were right. I mean, but it does suck that they. I I do wish. Speaking as a fan, I do wish that they could have been a little riskier and been like, you know what, man, come on in, man, like. Doors open. So um, my my feelings on this are that I don't think that it's necessarily because it's it's a pro- problem with the Gamera IP. I think the problem is how the show looks, and anybody that is a not a Gamera diehard is going to look at that trailer, say no, thank you, and forget <laughs> it exists. Yeah, I actually agree and, with this. I'm going to compare it to. Um, my favorite Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy Nine, where the visual oh, I like that game too. The visual aesthetic of Final Fantasy Nine was so radically different 
and kind of similar to this in a way. It's very cartoonish looking compared to Final Fantasy VII and VIII, which were super popular and looked more, you know, uh, modern and people actually looked like humans instead of cartoons. Uh, it was so radically different that people rejected it and audiences didn't really go for mm-hmm. it. And yes, some of it had to do with it being at the end of PlayStation's life cycle, but a lot of it had to do with people, everyone loving in the West Final Fantasy VII and VIII and not liking the way the new thing looked. And I think this, the way it looks, does not look like Gamera. <laughs> I think it's a combination with an IP that's already this like unpopular. Um, you, if you're going to bring it back, you need to put something forward to get new people in. Um, I think that Berserk anime that you guys, I, you guys were sending me pictures of, and I just couldn't believe it was even real. I think that did do fairly well, but I also, but that's also a, a property that's like hot. Yeah. Um, Gamera is not hot. My, um, my point of comparison would be Gridman because no right, one cared I, about Gridman. Y- yep. You you read my mind, um, and that managed to be successful because um, someone said, "Hey, if we are going to bring this back, we should put some money into it. It's we Studio Trigger. It. Yeah, we should invest in it by getting like like th- these NG guys. Like this is like the most hate, like one of the most unpopular like disliked anime studios out there. People do not like them. And it just is like you know, you could have taken a bigger risk with it whether it's giving this to a better studio or whether, okay, we want to make a $5 Gamera anime. Let's give Kaneko $4 million to make a Gamera movie. Relatively low, low-ish budget. That's less than... He could probably make a good modern Gamera movie for less than what Shin Ultraman cost. And Shin Ultraman only cost about $6 million, I think we figured out. Yeah, it was $6 so, million for Shin Ultraman. So uh, I under... I understand the business decisions of this is a risky thing to put money into, but just a little bit more would have gone a long way for Gamera. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, don't don't do more seasons of this. Speaking of uh, of weird lost opportunities, uh, one of the things that did come out of this was. Uh, Yoshitomo Yonitani uh, posted some of the concept art from his Gamera anime from the 2000s that didn't get made. And Was that the Cartoon Network thing? or I don't know if that was Cartoon Network or not, um, because Cartoon Network did announce a Gamera anime around the same time. Okay. Uh, did uh, we see... Did you post those earlier? Yeah, I, I posted them in the chat. Okay, I to, my day was crazy, and that chat has been on fire since this thing this show came out. So I'll have to I'll, have, I'll go dig it up again. But okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's the guy that did like Gal Gygar and um, part of uh, Kamugi. Uh, so like, I'm sure it would have been fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, I've been saying since I, I honestly probably since Cartoon Network had the rights for a brief moment in the 2000s, I've been saying like. The logical thing to do with Gamera next is animation. 
Um, there's a lot you can do with animation to sell you on to sell people on crazy ideas. And like even even for some kaiju fans, the idea of Gamera is weird. Like it's a dumb idea. A, a flying fire breathing turtle that farts exhaust and turns into a UFO is not an easy sell. It's why when Kaneko was a, was given Gamera Guardian of the Universe, when he got home, he was questioning his entire career, and he was like, I have to make this a comedy, because I this is too dumb. And then Ito was like, yeah, well, let, calm down, we'll figure it out. Um, I love Gamera, but it's like the most cracked out <laughs> concept. And I think that animation is a great format for it. Um, and I've been saying that. And yeah, I, I don't know. This 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 wasn't what I. This isn't what uh, I feel like it should have been. Unfortunately. Um. So um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we ready to we ready to rate this thing? Let's go. All right, um, I'm going to start with uh, my good friend, my brother from another mother, uh, the most... Well, actually, Matt, I'm going to save your optimism for last, because I think, <laughs> at the very least, we deserve to send Gamera out on a high note. Um, so, uh, Lux, we'll start with you. Um, how many pairs of pissed pants uh, do you give <laughs> this out of five? Oh, man, I forget why we didn't mention that. I can't believe it. Um uh... I mentioned it briefly. I said uh, they talk about pee a lot, and it, if you drink, uh, if you take a drink every time someone talks about piss, you'll die. Well, um, I definitely think, like we mentioned and we've joked about, uh, at some level, it definitely feels like the story of this was written by ChatGPT, so it doesn't make sense all the time or most of the time. Uh, many things happen without foreshadowing or good reason. Um, uh, I, I understand a lot of the hype around this is about the rule of cool, and uh, like I said, I really do enjoy um, the best parts of the monster fights. Um, but <sighs> they take up such small portions of every episode, and despite me finding those scenes amusing and enjoyable, and and, and liking Tank Commander and all that stuff, uh, I, I just cannot ignore the rest of the mess. I, I cannot forgive it. So uh, that brings me to my final conclusion of one pair of pissed pants out of five. <laughs> all right, uh, Kevin, you're up. Yeah, I mean, I've been negative, but I do feel like there's a lot of good potential here. It just feels like a lot of stuff is really half-baked and yeah. given another pass uh, to really, I don't know if you kind of split this up into a tr more traditional, like 13 episodes, uh, maybe do it, you know, half hour episodes instead of hour long episodes, something like that. Uh, so that you can kind of explain what's going on and really get to know the characters, you know, stuff like, um, I, I couldn't understand like how much James understood about what was going on at any point in the plot, uh, for an example. Um, and then the other thing is just kind of fleshing out the monsters. I, I feel like uh, Gauss and Jiger are, are functionally interchangeable in this. Like if you were to have Jigers attack the city first and then Gausses are found as eggs and hatch, like it doesn't really change anything in terms of, the overall narrative and then 
Zegra and and Giron just sort of show up out of nowhere with no explanation, uh, which not they made Zegra like a water gauss almost too, which was weird. Yeah, but like they they just say, "Oh, there's another kaiju," and I'm like that's it's a it's a little bit frustrating as you know when you know the characters from the original movies, you know they have their distinct origins and and kind of whole gimmicks and and virus has a little bit of that but even in this virus is just kind of like a thing for people to insert sacrifices into rather than something that is really manipulating anything behind the scenes which has kind of been traditionally virus's role is like this controller that's going to take over minds and blah 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 um and they could have leaned into that with the cult a little bit more like they're brainwashed um so that kind of stuff i think there's there's room for improvement, but I did like kind of the a lot of the basic layouts, and I think that the characters are at least memorable uh, in terms of the human cast. So, like from that perspective, I actually was not fast forwarding to the monster fights. The monster fights were kind of less whelming for me than the uh, than the character interactions of just you know the oh the, these are these are the kids going about their, their daily lives and, and going on their adventures and stuff like that, I, I kind of was able to get a little bit more into that stuff than just the, you know, uh, CGI models smashing into each other over and over again. Um, so I think, like, I don't hate it, but at the, at the on the same note, like, I think about, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of, when I first watched Neon Genesis Evangelion and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. All of the character motivations seem kind of screwed up. Somebody explain this to me, please. And Evangelion has a fantastic presentation and Gamma Rebirth does not. So all of those things considered, I can't in good faith give this uh, more than a, more than a two out of five uh, product placements for Moo Magazine. <laughs> Um, I, I, yeah, and it, so where I am with this is like, I guess I'll just, my, the quickest thing I can say is the stuff I liked. I like Joe and I like the tank guy, but it's window dressing because everything else is insufferable. I like the fight with Giran. Giran in general, in all his physics defying, uh, cracked out ninja-ness, I, I enjoyed um, that might be it. Um, I'm, I mean, like, I like Janichi and I, Boko's okay, but like I said, the, the show itself, once you get to episode four, they are not characters as much as they are props that just kind of float around from location to location. Um, so I don't really have anything to latch on to them there. Um, it, it, they, they, they don't do anything. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, the, look, I am, my opinion of the Showa Gamera films, like the only ones I really revisit that I need, I feel like Baragon, Gauss, Giron, the rest, 
you know, whatever. Um, the ones that I actively dislike are Super Monster and Zegra, uh, which Zegra I, I, I especially hate. And uh, unfortunately, I like this even less than any of those. Um, I'm at a one. Um, uh, I don't know. Gamera des- deserved better. These characters in the, the show deserved better. And we, the viewer, deserve better. Um, look, I, I see a lot of praise for this show. If you like it, more power to you. Keep liking it. Um, but I just... I I could not get into it, and I found it just really irritating. Um, so yeah, that's a Gamera Afterbirth, as I have christened it. Um, you know, I don't know. I wish I could be all excited and jazzed about this, because like I said, I've been a Gamera fan since I was like 10, you know, shortly after I got into Godzilla, but this just wasn't it. This wasn't it, fam. Um, so yeah, that's Gamera Rebirth. Um, uh, let's let's just never do this again. Um, Seshida, please go do something that's not this. I, I don't do it. You must. He, this man needs to be stopped. Um, but anyway, I don't know. It sounds like no one's watching this thing besides <laughs> besides people like us. Um, you know, Singular Point and, like, the Skull Island anime, I mean, those at least for, like, a, for a day or two were trending on Netflix. I don't think this has had much traction at all. I think One Piece definitely overshadowed this. But. Oh, yeah, it dropped the same, yeah, same weekend as One Piece. Yeah, no, and, and it was, let's it be honest. after One Piece. Okay, okay, but still, One Piece. One Piece is, Piece like, global phenomenon was, at this point. Yeah. Like, the show beyond the manga and the anime, the live action is a big success. Yeah, like, um... And yeah, I mean, Stranger Things with Gamera should have worked, just didn't. Um, and uh, and let's be honest, though, I mean, we are we have a ton of stuff coming out in very quick succession. Um, in November, the Apple Godzilla show starts. In December, minus one comes out, and in April, the next Godzilla vs Kong comes out. Gamera Rebirth will get buried and forgotten very quickly, for better or worse. I'm just saying, no matter how you feel about it, I it's not going to have legs. Um, and that is another drawback of having so much content, is even if this show was great, it would have got buried. That's just how it is. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's something that could even have a, a physical media release because of the way Netflix productions yeah they wouldn't anyway netflix doesn't even do that like maybe in japan it might get something like singular point did the the polygon movies did we'll see but no i i I don't think this thing is gonna have legs um you know there's way bigger things coming out and just the nature of the streaming model even things that are great after a week, no one talks about them. No one's reminded of them. They just get buried in an algorithm, and that's where they live out the rest of their sad, lonely days. Um, and uh, that's going to be true of this too. Um, uh, so I don't know. That's Gamera, everybody. Uh, a welcome return that did not. You know, we were all rooting for Gamera. Matt, what did, what do you think? Too, my, yeah, I was gonna say my favorite out. part is like Bird is is signing us off. And <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't, he, doesn't, 
he's like, so Matt's good. gonna. Gonna gonna bring some optimism, and he's like, "No, screw that! I'm gonna <laughs> we're gonna do, do and gloom it." <laughs> yeah, I, I no, I got I got too caught up in my black pills. Uh, yeah, Matt, Matt, send us out on a good note. For the love of God, you've been listening to me. You know that I'm just depressed. I'm sad. I'm ready to move on. But let's let's get let's get some some pie in the sky, sugar coated. Uh, just give us some candy after all that. Well, as I said, I did enjoy this and for probably reasons not really super related to the show itself and i acknowledge like all the stuff that everybody that's said. okay though and that's like, cool though like you had an, uh, you had an experience you got to spend time with your son like that's awesome i also love the monster stuff surprisingly the only one that i did not like was uh Zigra, which is like that's a it was a it was a very boring episode with the boring design and sort of uneventful monster fight but everything else i was pretty enthralled with so i'm gonna give this a three which is pretty generous but but i think it is, is fun enough and it won landon over which you know we think is the target audience we think this is for kids we're not sure <laughs> to be determined to be determined right um <laughs> i don't have high hopes that there's going to be additional season i doubt anybody's really watching it i mean camera is not popular and i don't know that this is good enough to <laughs> do anything on netflix so i'm gonna go uh three out of five all right matt thank you 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 uh you know that's the self that we we need after all this is just some like guys it's okay the world's not over um all right well that's it folks um i guess we'll sign off bye thank you for listening thank you everybody goodbye Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time. 